0: Hello, I'm Heather Schlegel, a payment futurist. I research and report on the global changes occurring in payments and transactions. You are listening to a low-fidelity audio recording of my talk, Rethinking Payments in the Sharing Economy, which was presented on May 11, 2016 at the Total Retail and Payments Conference in Melbourne, Australia. This talk explores how technology facilitates trust through payment platforms, with local regulations, and global reputation systems. Looking for a provocative future-focused speaker? I'm available for keynotes, panels, and corporate events. Get in touch at heathervescent.com. That's Heathervescent, V-E-S-C-E-N-T, like effervescent, heathervescent at gmail.com. Many thanks to Brad Court, Melissa Ching, and the team at Total Payments and Retail. Very special thanks to Dave Birch, Ian Danskin for audio production, and Serafina Rodriguez. I hope you enjoy the talk.
1: I have been doing a lot of work in the sharing economy, studying the sharing economy, studying the future of money and payments. And this presentation actually came about because Dave Birch was listening to a podcast series I'd done a couple years ago on the future of money. And in one of the podcasts, just some very interesting observation was made about when a payment platform facilitates the payment transaction, then it frees one up to be able to focus on the human experience. And so This presentation kind of came about by exploring that topic a little bit more. So a little bit about me, I am a futurist. I'm primarily known for my work in the future of payments, transactions, alternative currencies, but I also study other things as well. And I do a variety of podcasts and research. Kind of my pet topic at looking at things is payments and the experiences of a transaction. So let's just jump straight into it. So I've been a very active Airbnb user. I have been both a host and a guest. How many people here have used Airbnb? As a guest? Okay. How many of you are hosts? Okay, one. So, one of the things that Airbnb as a company gets compared to hotel companies a lot, but actually, I think they're very different organizations and they're very different experiences. So, when you go to a hotel, this is a very lovely check-in. Um, you go in, you've made the reservation beforehand, you check in, you give your credit card, your payment, your identity, and then they pick out the room for you. They decide where you're staying. If you're a member of a loyalty program, you will go ahead and maybe you know get some special treatment. But if you're not, maybe you won't. But you're not really that much in control of which room you're getting, what view, all these other types of things. Compare this to one of my most recent Airbnbs. So I stayed at this place in Palo Alto a few weeks ago. I had to book a place for myself and my film crew. I was in town recording interviews for a documentary I'm making on Internet Identity. And as I was looking around the space, I needed to find a place that had three beds, three bedrooms for me and my crew. And I found this place and it was just really interesting. The process of booking an Airbnb was such that first I had to search for it myself. Then I had to write an email and a nice message to the host to convince them that I'm going to be the right type of person to stay in their house. Now, I'm an Airbnb host myself and I have a really good rating, so I was hoping that would go a long way as well. So, you know, everything worked out fine. I booked the room and the time came for me to check in. Oh, when I booked it on Airbnb, I pay for the room then. So I pay Airbnb when I book the room, but Airbnb holds the money in escrow and doesn't actually pay it out until after I've already checked in. So this is the front door of the house that I stayed at. And as you can see, it's just unlike anything you might ever come across. I open the key from the lockbox and I walk back through this little garden area and I have this key and I open the door and I'm confronted with this amazing living room full of color and just artistic and creative things. And it's exactly the way I saw it on Airbnb, but I was just like, wow, this is so cool. The whole experience was customized. It was personalized. There was no like loyalty. There wasn't like I had to give my credit card. Someone else wasn't picking the room for me. I was picking the room. I knew exactly what I was getting. And when I got there, when I experienced it, it was just so delightful. So, a lot of people talk about and have different definitions for the sharing economy. My definitions of the sharing economy have changed over time, myself. And right now, I'm thinking of it as a continuum. A continuum between an emotional experience and a financial payment transaction. And the different companies that are playing within the sharing economy They are different places on the continuum. Uber is more focused on the payment transaction and making money and disrupting, and it's really targeting more of the taxi transit. Whereas Lyft really has a more emotional experience. I don't think you guys have lived here. Lyft is like Uber, but it is just friendlier. It's more fun. I took a Lyft driver to LAX to come here. And my driver was an economist, he was a student, and we had a long conversation talking about the differences between Lyft customers and Uber customers. And it really came down to the expectations that the brand has out for you. So when you take an Uber, you're expecting some kind of luxurious chauffeur, even if you're doing UberX. Whereas if you take Lyft, it's this kind of fun, exciting, Person. you're making a personal connection, you're having that emotional experience. Airbnb, I think, does a pretty good job kind of playing in the middle. They are also 100% about making money, but it's up to the hosts and the people to provide the emotional experience. So you guys are all familiar with the Gartner Hype Cycle, so i just like to kind of run through it and where we are and talk about the sharing economy in the framework of the Gartner Hype Cycle. So when it first came out, of course, like many things, it's like, wow, it's this really cool, amazing thing. Anything goes, anything goes good, anything goes bad. That's when some of the really poor stories about Airbnb and some things changed, like having the insurance as a host be built into your Airbnb account. There was no regulation. Nobody had any idea about regulating anything. So it was just doing its own thing until it hits the top of the peak of the hype cycle and it's like, oh my god, disruption is happening and that's when people start paying attention. That has just recently passed. We're now in this space of concern and we need rules and regulation and the whole concept and idea is maturing. And sometime in the near future we're going to have more of a settling in and an integration of this concepts of the sharing economy, just balancing these emotional and financial transactions together. So, I want to tell the story that kind of started this whole presentation, this insight. I had two people stay with me a couple years ago in my place in West Hollywood, Jody and Sasha. I was renting out my guest bedroom, which previously I had only rented out my entire house. So, I was a little bit hesitant to have someone come into my space who I didn't know, And I decided that, okay, I would only do this when I had the emotional capacity to be a good host, to have someone else in my space. If I wanted to be alone, if I was working really hard, I just couldn't deal with those logistics, I just didn't say yes to anyone who wanted to stay with me. I also said, okay, maximum I'm going to have someone stay with me is three days. So Jody booked a room, and we talked beforehand, he showed up, he's a great guest, we really hit it off. We became really good friends. Like by the end of the time, it was like he was like my brother. And what turned out is that he was actually going to be in LA for an additional week and a half that he was going to go stay somewhere else. But we hit it off so much that we both agreed that no, you should still keep staying here. And so instead of extend that transaction on Airbnb, he's like just going to give me cash. Well, the day came when the payment for Airbnb was over, and it was time to start the new week of him just staying with me. And I had this very strange feeling of anxiety, and I thought, well, what is this about? And I realized it was anxiety around how he was going to pay, like, and when. And we already agreed on how much it was. Was he going to pay in the, now? Was he going to pay in another day? Was it going to be cash? Was it going to be PayPal? Was he going to pay at the end? And it just was this very strange feeling, despite the fact that we had had this really fantastic emotional connection. And this is where I realized the real benefit of these sharing economy platforms and Airbnb. They facilitate the financial transaction so that I, as a human, and we, as humans, can focus on the human experience. This technology facilitates trust in a couple different ways. One, it handles the payment, so we don't have to think about it. There's just like, it's just happening behind the scenes. Great. Technology facilitates trust by ensuring safety and compliance. This is both through regulations that's happening now, but then also through reputation, which I'll talk about a little bit more. And again, By facilitating this trust, it allows us as humans to interact with other humans on a human level and not be interacting with them through technology or experiencing something that we would be with a machine. I do want to make a note on blockchain at this point. A lot of people say blockchain has trust built into it, but that's actually false. The whole concept of blockchain is that you are doing transactions with people you don't trust this is one of my major issues with blockchain technology and the whole concept because as humans we want to trust each other we want to have better connections and yes there are situations in which we have to do transactions with people that we don't trust but i would rather see that be the anomaly than the baseline so i wanted to show a couple screenshots of the back end of airbnb's system and these are kind of a little bit old airbnb updates their user interface and changes their uh, features on a somewhat regular basis. But you can get an idea of what these are. So in this case, this is in-system payments. So like I was talking before, when I book a room, I put in my credit card and my data and all that information, and it's booked. Airbnb keeps all that information. Me as a host, I don't get any of that information. I don't need to worry about a credit card. In fact, I don't even need to worry about verifying their ID, which I can talk about that in a moment. So this just shows like a screenshot of how Airbnb pays out. So in this case, this trip to Australia, I'm staying in three different Airbnbs. And I made all of those payments on my U.S. credit card back in the U.S. in U.S. dollars. And all my hosts are getting paid out in Australian dollars, and I don't even know how. It's going to be into their bank account, it's going to be into PayPal, etc. Airbnb takes care of all of that. I have my payouts set in these certain ways, and Airbnb deals out with me. And it does it for people all over the world, so it's kind of mind-blowing how Airbnb is facilitating these global, local transactions. These transactions are in some ways invisible because they happen behind the scenes. Yes, we're aware of them. I get a notification. There's a notification on my credit card. I'm aware of when it's being transacted. It notifies me when the money's getting into my bank account. I vaguely have an idea of, okay, these people are staying at my place. I'm probably going to get a payout at this time. My cash flow is stronger now because I have inconsistent payouts, surprisingly. And then the other thing that's really important is it does tracking and reporting. Because regulation is occurring in the space a lot more, there's tax implications. And so, Airbnb has to track all those information, track the transactions, track the payments, the amounts you're getting, and then they do leave it up to you to do the right thing or interact with your own tax authority in the way you want to. So, I mentioned about regulation a little bit. I have a lot of experience with regulation in the sharing economy. I have a house in 29 Palms, which is in the Mojave Desert, of Southern California, right next to Joshua Tree National Park. And when I bought that house, there was a law on the books stating it was illegal to do short-term vacation home rentals, which is what Airbnb is. So within 15 months, me and some of my colleagues and local homeowners, we worked with the city to craft a new set of regulations, a new ordinance, pass that new ordinance, and go through a permitting process to make it legal to do vacation home rentals in this area so that the ordinance and the regulations are structured in a way that allow it, but are very organized so they can be enforced, because, unfortunately, there are bad actors and people that take advantage of this. In fact, right before I came here, I got this envelope, and it's from the Department of City Planning Community Planning Bureau in Los Angeles. Los Angeles is going through the process of regulating this right now. San Francisco went through the process of regulating it, other places are going through the process of regulating it. Like, the regulations are not all the same. They're very different in some cases, and they reflect the local community values. But they do have certain ideas in common across them. About a year ago, when I first started talking about this, I said there's going to be more regulation. There's definitely more regulation. We're going to continue to see more regulation in this space. And prior to going through the process, I was not a fan of regulation, but having that dialogue with my local community, understanding the concerns they had, the legal concerns for safety, made me have a lot more respect for the need for regulation. Going through that dialogue was important. I was only thinking about myself as a good actor, as following the rules, doing the right thing. It didn't occur to me that there needed to be very clear rules and regulations to enforce for bad actors. So this is my house I have a permit on it now you can check it out on an Airbnb and I have a lot of positive reviews and ratings and so I want to talk right now a little bit about reputation. So this is a picture of me and my Lyft driver that took me to LAX to come here and you can see that it's just a really fun interesting exciting, very emotionally positive experience. And one of the things we talked about a lot was how reputation makes you feel safe doing these transactions, getting into a stranger's car, staying in a stranger's house. It's the reputation that you have within these platforms and beyond that helps you gain trust. So this is that amazing place in Palo Alto that I stayed. Um, After I check out, I get to rate it and review it. And you can kind of see, this is some screenshots of the system, what it asks questions for. Now, in recent months, Airbnb has rolled out a much more detailed and comprehensive rating and review questionnaire. It's something like five or six screens now. I didn't put them all in here. But it used to just be like three questions, accuracy, communication, and value, and then would you recommend this person. Now, there's six different ones. There's a page two. It asks you other questions. They're really asking a lot of detailed information about your experience with this specific Airbnb. It even goes on to ask non-rating information about the community, about the place, whether it's good for something or not. Kind of, you know, TripAdvisor type questions. This is the reverse. So I have a lot of guests stay at my place and I review all of them. It used to, again, only ask you three little questions about it, whether you recommend them or not. Now it starts out asking you in general, would you recommend them? And then it goes into like, you know, three pages of ratings and review with them. I will say, recently, most of my experiences have been fantastic. However, I have had two, and in particular, I had one very bad experience. And it was very strange when it came to Write the review of that person because they they ended up doing a thousand dollars worth of damage to my house, my furniture, which was resolved with Airbnb, so that's all good. But because they had stayed in my house and I had these interactions with them, it was really hard for me to want to write a negative review of them. But I felt in some ways it was my duty to warn other people about this particular guest. And if I had read a little more deeply into the reviews previous people had written, I, I would have read between the lines that this person might be problematic. And so I think this is a really interesting point about reputation, which is reputation changes. Um, people can be great, and if you're, you you know, have a great reputation, that's great, but you could be having a bad day, or there could be a real reason why it was a bad experience. We need to feel comfortable communicating the truth, but then I think we also need to evolve our human capacity to know that people could change that there's context around these experiences. So, a month or two ago, Airbnb acquired the company who does change tip change coin. However, they acquired the people. They did not acquire the IP or the business assets. This leads me to believe that Airbnb is considering or planning a process to sell reputation a la FICO. Their platform does aggregate reputation within their own system. It would be a very interesting business model to them, however that reputation is created by the users of their system. That reputation is a commons, and for them to go out and capitalize on it feels really icky to me especially because all of the users in the community pay to participate on Airbnb. I pay when someone books my place and they pay when they book on it, so it's not like a something for free. There is a company, this is based in Los Angeles called Karma, they do aggregate reputation from a variety of different places. This is my Karma score, it's aggregating from about seven different accounts that I've connected, you can kind of see This is the back-end screenshot, this one is if you go to my Karma page, like say I want to say I have reputation that's not on a new system and I want to say, hey, but I'm a good person, check this out. In the back-end, you can see my different accounts, recent activities, and the percentage of the reputation from these different sites, how they drive that score. So you can see here, Airbnb drives 80% of my reputation score. And that's probably the platform that I'm the most active on. It's also the platform that requires the most trust because if I let someone stay at my house or I stay at someone else's house, that takes more trust than getting in an Uber car or a Lyft for one ride. So we're at the very beginning of the integration of a lot of these concepts into the larger world, into the larger ecosystem. There are a lot of questions that need to be asked, that we're going to have to resolve and that there are business opportunities for. Like global transactions. I touched on that before. Airbnb does this really interesting facilitating global local transactions seamlessly. I never have to pay in Australian dollars to pay someone to stay here. I don't even have to do the exchange rate on my credit card. The tax structure. So places that are regulated often have this requirement for hosts to pay quarterly tot tax the same type of tax that hotels pay but also not all tech companies are paying their right due in the global world so i think that asking all of the individual hosts to pay local taxes which i am happily able to do the corporations and the businesses that are creating these new models these these new value out of these aggregated actions should also contribute in their way. And there's an opportunity for a lot more business products. You know, I just showed you like the managing the taxes, managing the transactions, managing the permitting process, interfacing between local governments and Airbnb. Airbnb does not get involved at all with any local politics or any local anything. They're all about their platform. And I actually think that's a big mistake for them because if this gets regulated out, there goes their business model. So it would really make sense to strengthen and have a community connection with all of these communities that are creating the value for that company. There's this interesting kind of ebb and flow between the ideas of like a market economy and creating value from and creating a commons. And nobody really talks about these ideas within economies creating values for the commons. And in this case, I think that Airbnb creates a wonderful commons But they're the only organization that's able to monetize it for their corporate bottom line. I talked a little bit about some of these opportunities. I think there's a lot of opportunity for banks and fintech companies and both startups to build technology using and developing APIs. I expect that Airbnb will not allow anyone to bolt on anything onto their system. So it would have to scrape data, use additional data from Airbnb. They don't seem to play very well with other Companies. And bottom line, it comes down to allowing the technology to handle the payment so that humans can focus on the human experience. And so if you want to hear more about this or talk more about this, you can please get in touch with me. I think there's a lot of fantastic opportunities to explore revenue and business models and new products and services in the sharing economy as long as we are conscious about balancing between the emotional experience and the financial transactions. So thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to Rethinking Payments in the Sharing Economy, presented on May 11th, 2016 at the Total Retail and Payments Conference in Melbourne, Australia. Looking for a provocative, future-focused speaker? I'm available for keynotes, panels, and corporate events. Get in touch at heathervescent at gmail.com. That's heathervescent, spelled V-E-S-C-E-N-T, like effervescent, heathervescent at gmail.com. I'll see you in the future.